Well, today I'm going to preach a message on failing and being dis disappointed in life. But I want to promise you this, that I won't keep you here uh, too much in this negative realm here because there's already too much woe and doom and gloom on the planet as it is. In fact, the, uh, the reason why you don't hear much about failure is because it doesn't sell well. It does not sell well. When was the last time you read a book that says, hey, buy this bestseller and you'll learn how to fail in life? It doesn't generate a lot of sales. And actually, uh, there is insight there and that we can learn from as we learn about uh, falling and failing. If we don't learn how to deal with failure, if we don't study, if we don't understand it, then we're destined to repeat it. When we read these books, when we read these books on, on failure and successful people, there's often insight that we can have from them, right? Many, many books will give us this, this insight and they don't often show us uh, the, the losses as well. So what happens is very often if we need both, we need to see the winners and the losers. And a lot of times if we, we watch others fail, we're going to learn about what took place and what brought them there, right? How did they rise up from the ashes and reach new levels in, in their life and in their, in their walk? And so I like to look at books that actually give me both. Those are my favorite books that say how you failed and how you succeeded. And I just think that's the best for me. Most people don't want to hear a message on failing or failure or on sin. But we live in a success-oriented culture and society where many, many failures, when we say, hey, they failed, we're saying, hey, they're losers. And successful people, we say, hey, they're winners, right? And we idolize the winners as well, right? Games, TV shows, they elevate the winners often all the time, right? The losers are forgotten about often. They're remembered for their lack of winning and measuring up. But I want to take us on a journey of failure to triumph. And because one of these, because all of us have failed, we have all failed sometime in our life. We have all fallen short. We have all missed the mark. None of us can, can measure up and meet up God's standard, right? We can't do that on our own. We all need help. And we're helpless so often and we need rescuing ourselves. So don't feel alone if you've ever failed. Don't feel alone. Don't go it alone. Don't feel like you have lost your, your way out. There is a God that we know who loves you, who cares about you, who wants to help you, wants to rescue you. And we know he came to earth for you, for me, for us, to seek and to save, right? Us, to help us, to save us, right? And so Jesus came, Jesus who is God, came to earth, he lived, he died, he's resurrected, we know that, he's now seated at the right hand of Father God, right? Uh, making intercession for us, for who? For his children, for those that love him, for those who, who follow him and embrace him. And while in heaven, he doesn't leave us alone on earth. We need to understand that. So he sent his Holy Spirit. He sent Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, to empower us. And so now we're allowed to enable to walk in his power and his authority. And we ought to do that. And he will lead us. He will guide us. He will teach us. He will help us. So how can we lose? We're following him. How, how can we lose? How can we really fall short? How can we really fail? And God will take our trials, 
our struggles, our failures, and he'll turn them into triumphs. I believe that. When we follow his ways and we dedicate ourselves unto him. But the problem often is we don't do that, right? Many of us stay in this defeated mindset on purpose. Many of us have this defeated mindset for many reasons. Purposefully, we've done it, right? We have denied Christ. We have denied his access. And we have not fully dedicated ourselves and immersed ourselves in the things of God. But, but the problem often is that many of us have stayed defeated on purpose. Many of us have, uh, again, a defeated mindset on, on purpose, right? And we try to do it alone without Christ in our life, right? And we walk alone and we stay in bondage and we stay in chains. Many have remained lost purposely and willfully and for some knowingly and for some purposefully have stayed lost and to me that's failing remaining lost and worse is when we purposely refuse God and refuse help from God and help from others purposefully remaining lost even when he has given us a way of escape even when he has shown us ways of not to fail and I know right now some people might be saying in their mind, listen, Pastor, you, you don't understand. You don't understand what we have been through. You don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand my situation. You don't understand my struggles. You don't understand my trials. You don't understand my situation. And the truth is, maybe I don't. Maybe I don't. But God knows. God knows. He understands. And he suffered greatly for us, right? And he took on the pain and the shame of a cross. We understand that he was whipped. He was beaten. He was bruised. He was abandoned. He was abandoned by friends and family and those around him. He was called names. He was made fun of, right? He, he said, oh, you don't even have a daddy, right? He was called wicked. He was called evil. He was called a liar, right? He was called so many things. They wanted to hurt him. They didn't want to, they, they wanted to knock him down. They wanted to harm him. They wanted to kill him and they accused him of things that he's never done. And so they lied about him. And they were constantly lying about him. And they accused him of so many things that he did not do. They gave false testimony about him to the point that he went to a cross. That, that they brought him to the cross based on this false testify. And they crucified him, right? They murdered him. They killed him. But the truth also is that he willingly took on that shame and that pain of the cross. He willingly did that. He willingly went to the cross for you and for me to set us free, right? And because he did that, we're free indeed. And so then why do we keep living in bondage? Why do we keep living in the shame? Why do we keep living in slavery? Why do we keep living in these, in these ways that we're, we were living? He's designed us on purpose with special gifts and talents and abilities. Designed on purpose by God. Designed perfectly by God. Designed by God to put forth His will on purpose. You have been designed for greatness. Every one of you. Don't settle for less. Greatness to bring Him glory and praise and honor. You get to be part of the family of God. He won't force you. But he has invited you into his family, into his kingdom, right? And you simply need to receive him and invite him into your heart and your life. So while I don't understand why people don't want to do that, I fully don't understand why they have rejected Jesus Christ. I don't understand that. But Jesus understands your situation, your hurt, your pain. Now, your friends and your family, they might not understand what you're going through. 
They might not understand that. But that isn't a reason to quit. That isn't a reason for guilt. That isn't a reason to stay defeated and be defeated. Right? You with me today? Yes. All right. This isn't the reason to keep failing. This isn't the reason to have disbelief. So we're going to talk about people failing when hope might be fleeting and gone. They don't know what to do or where to go. I've simply entitled this message, When Faith is Failing. When Faith is Failing. And when faith is failing or lacking, what do we do? Where do we go to? Who do we turn to? We know the answer is Jesus, right? Amen. Hallelujah. When faith is failing, so often people want to quit. They want to leave. They want to give up. Many just want to stay in bed and not get up. I don't know about you. I've been there. I understand that. Other times you just want to stop the noise, stop the talk. But I'm telling you, stay here mentally today. Force yourself to stay away. Go get a cup of coffee and then come right back. I'm telling you, stay mentally alert. It's something you do. It's not something he does for you. You have to do this. This could be a life-changing message, I believe that, and I will teach some insights from God's Word, His words to teach you how to be effective, fruitful, and a productive life. But it doesn't happen by chance. It doesn't happen by going alone. It can happen alone. And the truth is, it's about the true life is a life that we have dedicated to Jesus Christ and following His will, right? We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. So if you're ever going to be alone, you be alone in Christ. Amen? Without Him as Lord of your life, you are already defeated. Already defeated. And so no wonder so many people are defeated and deflated or anxious or depressed. No wonder suicide is so high these days because people have not embraced Jesus. Many have just simply missed the mark because... And we have to just simply pause and, and just reflect on it. Have you truly, truly given your life over to God? Have you truly opened up yourself up to be a vessel used by God? And so often when we pause, when we just stop, when we self-evaluate, when, when we stop and we realize what are we really focusing on, we realize we're focusing on things and friends and family and careers and education and things and making money and making more money and making more money, right? Living according to, to the world's standards and what the world has elevated as what's right and righteous and good. Instead of obeying the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, instead of obeying these holy uh, commandments that are in here, right? We stopped obeying God and we stopped lifting up our voices and our praise unto God. And almost every time when you dive deeper into the person's life and you start understanding and you start digging deeper and deeper almost every time we see these concerns right we find that it's a life that is not committed to the scriptures not committed to the family of God not committed to the principles of God that committed to the world and the worldly standards and instead of following and obeying God's ways almost every time as we go deeper we see this and so let me let me just say this we need to give our praise up we need to give our worship up we need to be praising more we need to be witnessing more we need to be taking it outside the church and going in outside in the field but we need to get this right and let me quickly say this too 
There are behaviors and sicknesses that need medical attention. There are also habits and addictions that need deliverance from. They need to be broken. And many of these people need Jesus. Many need deliverance. So we need to turn to Jesus. Who is the great I am? Who is the great healer? Who is the one who can do all things? And he wants to deliver his people. He wants to deliver his people. Hallelujah. So you might be feeling blue and, 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 and dry today or stagnant or whatever it is. But he wants you to live for him. And there should be an excitement and a joy in our hearts. And often we remain in trouble and in our woes. Because we have rebelled against the principles and commands of God. And we all as a church, Big C Church, I'm not talking about Crossroads alone, but we all will be accountable for a lack of faith, a lack of praying, and a lack of community. Why should God help you? Why should God help us? Why should God rescue us and save us and care about us and heal us? Right? He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to, church. In fact, the Bible tells us that we all deserve death because of sin. Right? Because of our failures. Because of sin. But it's through grace. It's through grace and faith that God can save us. But you have to want it. You have to invite him into your heart and soul. Right? You have to want it. Because he doesn't force you to be saved, to be a Christian, to walk that life. So when faith is failing, we have to turn to Scripture. Meditate on His words. Turn to Jesus, the great healer. The great physician, right? Who's capable of helping us and healing us and navigating our life for us, right? And we do that through prayer and praise and, 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 and personal testimony, getting his, 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 getting his will for us. And He has outlined this in Scripture. He has outlined this for us, what we ought to do. And so we need to get into the scripture and learn the scripture. And learn what happens when our faith is failing. Let's honor God's word one more time and just stand up. This keeps you awake a little bit longer and then you can sit again. 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. 1 through 11. Hallelujah. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Our faith is precious, church, and should be treated that way as it's precious. I hope your faith is something very precious to yourself. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything that we need for life, underline that, and godliness through our knowledge of Him, underline that, who's called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us a very great and precious promises, so through them you may participate in divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measures, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9. 
But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, what does the word of God say? You will never fail and you will receive such a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What a rich, rich portion of scripture that we really need to meditate on and get this this morning. Father God, we just thank you for this word, mighty God. We thank you for it, oh Lord. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you we will just understand you more. Help us, Lord, to be effective. Help us to be fruitful. Help us to be productive in life, oh God. If we do these things, you're saying... We will never fail. Help us, O oh God, in our walk and our ways. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. When we turn to the Bible, we get a quick dose of reality. And the Bible is filled with sin and failure and lack of faith and disappointments. We find this so often through, through scriptures. And as we read the Bible over and over again, we're going to find people that fail, right? That are, that are falling short, right? That, that have seriously have done wrong and they're not operating in faith. Some were murderers, some were thieves, some were prostitutes, right? Some were demon-possessed, some lacked uh, faithfulness and they operated fully in unbelief. Many were liars and simply disqualified themselves by their belief, by their lack of faith, by their actions. But in many cases, God, right, he has other plans for the person. And those who have submitted to the authority and invited Christ into their life and heart, right, has a changed heart and a transformation. Well, we just use that transformation word so lightly, so wrongly. I was walking this way. I have a change of heart. I stopped walking in this direction. I have a transformation. Once I was blind, I am transformed. I can see. Once I was this, I was that. There's a transformation that takes place. Oh, we just use these scriptural words, but we're not really getting them in our heart. There is a change that takes place in our heart. There's a direction that has to change. There's something that has to change in us. And too often we try to do it on our own, in our own strength, in our own power. And it's by His power, by His might, by his, the knowledge of Him. Amen? Hallelujah. Now there's natural work, there's natural faith, right? And so in the natural, I will tell you in the natural, as I've done in many, many seminars, I've like taught finances and at work and do so many other things. Work hard, study hard, play hard, right? I, I, that's, I've, I've always taught that and I still teach that in a way. Stay focused. And I'll tell people, look out into the future. Where do you want to go? Set your sights on in the future. Where do you want to go? Have, have a vision for where you want to go. And then set yourself out on the course. But let me tell you, that is all based initially, to some degree, on worldly wisdom and faith. And you will accomplish so much in the natural if you just do what I just said to you. So what? Those things do not measure up against eternity. What good is it to gain all those things? What good is it to gain all your vision? What good is it to gain it all and lose your soul? Those things will not rise up against eternity. And the worldly gains, they're eventually all going to be burnt up. They will not last. And you will be left wanting and waiting and wishing and desiring for more. Why? It's because it's empty of God. It's empty of God's will. It's empty of God's purposes for your life, right? It's empty of the, of the Christian community. It's empty of your calling. It's empty. It's empty of the things that he wants for you. 
Because it's based on selfish motives and selfish gains and selfish ambition. And that's not God's will for your life. I'm telling you that straight up. And so you will eventually fall short. You will eventually fail. You will eventually be brought low. You will eventually be, be, be broken. You will eventually get to a breaking point, right? And then when you're at that breaking point, listen up. Now you're ready to receive. Now you're at a point where you can be saved and you can be redeemed. Because when you think you have everything, when you think you're all that, oh, I'm all that, right? I think I have everything I want, everything I need, right? Everything is going well. When everything is where you think it is, right? You stop looking for your redeemer. You stop looking for your savior. You stop looking for help because I can do it on my own. I'm who I want to be. No. Now I get this, that we all as people go through seasons. We experience fear we experience failure. We lack faith. I understand that, right? Our faith will waver. I want you to know that we can profit in a sense. And I don't mean money profit, but we can profit from failures and disappointments when we pause. And many believers, with God's help, will turn their trials into triumphs and their defeat into victory. That's my prayer for me, my family. That's my prayer for this church and for you. And so we can learn from our mistakes. We can learn from others who make mistakes. We can learn from our lack. We can, we can learn from our loss. We can learn from our defeat, right? And we can grow out of those things and emerge even stronger for it, right? Especially, especially when we're following God's plans and purposes for our life. So the first thing I want us to understand today really is failure is inevitable. Failure is inevitable. We're going to fall sometimes in life. We're just going to fall. Failure is inevitable. We will have tests. We will fail at them. We will fail at trials, right? We will fail with family and friends, right? We will fail. We will fail. We will fail at so many things before we learn how to succeed at them. You often don't crawl before you walk. You often don't, don't, don't run if you don't learn how to balance yourself first, right? You don't get on a bike right away. You have to learn how to balance, learn walk and run, and then you can get on a bike, right? It takes, it takes work. It takes effort. Hey, Daddy, can you help me with the, like this in the hole? And eventually, you get your balance. You have to fail before you succeed. We need to learn how to use certain muscles, and our brain is like a muscle, right? How to use it. And by the way, the brain is an organ, Right? Not, that's my organ, right? <laughs> but it needs to be exercised, church. It needs to be used like a muscle. We need to use our muscles. We need to use our mind. We use, need to use our, our intellect. And we often learn by failing, by trial and error. And so what is failing? What is failure? Basically, it's lack of success in something you're trying to do. It's falling short. Now, let me say this too, that full. Falling or failing is not necessarily sinning. While we're all sinners, we know that. We all have fallen short, right? When you fall, it doesn't mean necessarily that you just sinned at that moment. But we know that we all missed the mark, right? We're all born sinners. We, we have all sinned. And it's impossible, impossible to overcome our sin by our own efforts. And while hard work, right? Hard work might bring you success on earth, it will not bring you success in heaven. Amen. Now, receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you, if you, if you don't receive Jesus, 
It's falling short of heaven and its glory and eternity with God. It's impossible to please God without faith, right? It's impossible to be a child of God if you don't believe in the Son of God. It's impossible to be a Christian and not place your trust and faith in Jesus Christ. Many believe in God, but not in Jesus, not the Son of God. Many believe in the Son of God, but they don't see Him as God. So they don't understand Him as God. They say He is a God. They say He is a preacher, or a teacher, or a prophet, or a healer. But they don't see Him as God Himself. And so because they have ultimately denied Jesus as God, right? They remain lost for eternity. And for me, that's failing. That's a failure. That's banishment. And that's a grave loss. And your soul will eventually be doomed to hell and end up in the lake of fire. That's failing. Life's failures are inevitable alone. Failures are inevitable. Why? Because we're fallen creatures. We're not perfect. We have sin. And because we all have sin, right, we fail. And at times we're going to be frustrated because of our lack of faith, because of our unbelief. And you're going to have times where you're just going to be like, man, I messed up again. Man, I'm doing this again. Man, it's 30 years and I'm doing this again. And you start doubting. You start having fear and unbelief. But don't stay there, church. Don't stay there, right? Failure is inevitable. We know that because we lack. And we, but we often have to understand and we haven't been taught how to fail well. There's lessons that we can learn. In today's society, we make everyone a winner. Winner, winner, winner. Everybody's a winner, right? There seems to be no losers these days, right? We have competitions where everyone wins, right? In many ways, there's no personal accountability. We pass every student, right? Regardless if they learned or not, pass, winner, pass, right? Even if they don't deserve it, even if they didn't work for it, even if they have never studied for pass, winner, winner, pass, right? Some say... You play for fun, not to win. Not in my world. I don't know about you, I play to win. I don't get up in the morning and say, today I want to be a loser, today I want to lose. Oh, how can I lose today so I can win someday in the future? No, you're playing a game against me, I want to beat you. Not whip you, but I want to win. I like winning. Come on, I'm not the only one. Bruce, you, don't, you know like you like to win too, come on, right? But typically, typically, I don't give up a game, but I, I won't tell you that I never have given up a game. Now you don't know if you lose to me, if I win. If you lose to me, if I maybe, I mean, if you won, maybe I just threw the game. But listen, as I get older, seriously, as I get older, I don't mind losing a game to elevate someone else, to lift someone else up, to teach a lesson, right? Because I've learned as I matured, winning is not everything. In today's society, it seems to be like two extremes, right? Two extremes. Winning's everything, right? Winning is everything. Everyone's a winner. Those are two extremes. And we don't even like talking about failure, really. And they don't talk about failure. But we know that failing is inevitable. We will fail at stuff in life. And in life, you have people who are going to succeed at certain things. You have people that are going to fail at certain things. You have people that are trying to be someone else and walking out of their lane. They're like, oh, God gave me this, this gift of 
prophecy today, so I'm a prophet. Now, no, no, he gave you a manifestation of a prophetic word. That doesn't make you now a prophet. we got to go back to Scripture and really understand, because he gave you a prophetic word does not make you a prophet. All right? So we have to stay in our lanes and understand what that lane is. Every spiritual gift can come to you, but not every spiritual gift will come to you. Right? Hallelujah. We need to understand how to fail right. Giving them a passing grade doesn't necessarily help them to succeed. That doesn't mean they succeeded in life. They've just been giving a pass. It's often going to hurt them down the road, right? The Bible's filled with failure and disappointments and people who miss the mark for sure. So we first understand failure is inevitable, but failure is part of living on earth, right? And while we go into all these, I'm not going to go into all these Bible stories tonight because there's a list of them, right? I want to briefly mention a few. It began in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, right, who sinned against God, who's a holy God. And when that happened, the string of events followed, and this, these events still follow to today. Adam and Eve, right, they obeyed Satan instead of obeying God, right? Instead of obeying God, this led them to being cast out of the garden and being separated from God, who is holy and good and righteous and just. And so now there's thorns and thistles and, and sweat on our brow, right, because of what Adam did, right, and the work in the garden and childbearing and rearing this pain there for Eve and the list goes on and on and following their fall and it continues to follow us the, that failure and, the, and that sin led now to the first murder right Adam's son Cain murdered brother Abel and the, and the world became so evil so evil that God sent a great flood wiped out all the people on earth except Noah and his family and God, God told Noah what? Be fruitful and multiply and, and, and fill the earth, right? And bring my glory and bring my presence with you. Oh, church, wherever we go, we are to bring God's glory and God's presence with us. I want you to get that today because when we sit in our pews and we're not singing like we're supposed to and we're not praising and worshiping and we're not spread out seeking him, are we bringing him glory? Are we bringing the presence of God with us? And I'm telling you today that his presence needs to go with us and he was commanded, go be fruitful and multiply multiply and fill the earth and he's to bring his glory God's glory with him yes. and now you get to the towel of Babel right because people started doing things their own way again and where once again people have turned away from God and doing their own things and not following biblical principles and God separated them and confused them and gave them multiple languages and different languages and eventually they were forced out to populate again simply by no longer being able to communicate with each other so they had to spread out Right? No choice. They just had to find people that they can communicate with and they, and they multiply and they fill the earth. And we read about other stories like Sodom and Gomorrah. The cities became so evil that, that they couldn't even find ten righteous people there. So the cities were destroyed from fire from heaven. A list of sins and failures and disappointments and lack of faith is filled in the Bible over and over again. King David taking Bathsheba as his wife, another one of of, of wrong intentions, lack of faith in doing what's wrong, murdered her husband. The lies and the deceits that followed that story, the failures that took place because of that story. And yet, a man after God's own heart. But he didn't repent immediately. Why? It's because, let me tell you, sin separates you from God. Sin clouds your thinking, your stinking thinking. The more you sin, the more you become depraved in your mind. It clouds your vision. It clouds your judgment. It clouds your understanding. But eventually, he confessed before holy God, oh, I am, I'm wrong. I haven't, I haven't done what's right. I am that man. I have done 
what's wrong. Right over and over again, we see this happen. God forgave them. God forgave them. God forgave them, right? Failure is part of living on earth. We are fallen people, fallible sinful people. Don't make an excuse for it. It's just the way it is. And it's now part of our human experience and our DNA. And so now it should help us understand this. Help us when we fail. Help us when, when we're lost. Help us when we're not doing right. It explains a lot of things. But let me be clear. Don't desire sin so you can succeed. Don't desire failure. But I am saying we fail. We all have failed. Every one of us have failed. We have failed. We have fallen short. And learning early in life what that means and how you, how you should respond to that will help you overcome a lot of trials and struggles in your life. Especially, most importantly, banishment from the presence of a holy God. We don't want to stay there banished, do we, church? No, we don't. So we are to draw near to God. Remember, no one on earth gets a pass from falling and from sin and from falling short. We've all sinned, the Bible says, and it's truthful, and we're all sinners, and so we don't want to stay there. If we stay there, our future is bleak and broken, and we'll be banished from God. Failure is inevitable. Failure is part of living on earth. Failure will vary from person to person. Scripturally, and we see, and morally, we see failures were common in the Bible. Now, Israel often failed to worship God and follow God's commands, right? They sought after other religions and other gods. Aaron, the high priest, right? The high priest, who was Moses' brother, brought idols of worship into the, into this, into the, to the town where they were, into the camp. Aaron's own son played around with unauthorized, unsanctioned fire, and the fire of God jumped out and, and destroyed them. Saul, who we also know is Paul, right, persecuted the church, right, and persecuted Christians, and, 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 they, were, and they were thrown into to, to, to prison, and in, in many ways, he, he, he voted for them to be killed, right, until, until he met Jesus, until he had his personal Damascus Road experience and, and, and saw Jesus, and Jesus found him and touched him and, and turned his life over to God. Peter denied Jesus three times. Judas betrayed Jesus. Many of his family and his friends failed him and rejected him. Imagine failing, right? Imagine failing. And then we record it so that we can read it year after year and for generations to come. And we neon highlight those lights in front of people. Failure, failure, failure. Imagine that. That's cruel almost. But it teaches us lessons and we learn from it. And know through personal observation and, and how we look at ourselves and others that fail, failure happens in so many different ways. And many times people fall even after they succeed. Failure can follow great success. Failure can follow great success. Why? So many reasons why people fail. Sometimes overconfidence. Sometimes new level of successes uh, rise to a, a person's level of incompetency. We see that work. Why'd that person get the promotion? He's, he's dumb. He's not smart. And you're like, okay, take the job, bro. But now he got to a level of incompetency. He's like, can you help me? No. Now, I'm not saying don't help him. I'm just saying that, that, would, that would not be right. But I'm just saying that you get it, right? You've seen it. You know it, that people get to a level of incompetency. 
and they rose too quickly. And now they're unprepared for their next steps. Maybe simply they just can't meet up or measure up to their past success. So what they do is they, they, they have a hunger and thirst for it. So they take more and more risk, more and more risk, right? Because they want get greater gain and then they mess up. And, or they fall back into fear and complacency or old habits, right? I can do it on my own. I didn't really get here by anyone else's help. It was just me, me, me. No. And they forgot how they got their failure can follow great success. Failure can follow great success because success often breeds self-confidence instead of relying on Jesus Christ. And that can lead to overconfidence and pride, and pride comes before a fall. We see leaders come and go, and we see, we see the rise of great ones and small ones, and eventually they will all move on through life or through death. And today, over and over again, oh God, we're seeing so many people fail. Moral failure after moral failure. Fail, failure often follows great success. Don't look how great a ministry is or how great a people are. Put your focus and eyes on Jesus Christ because we're all capable of falling and failing if we don't pay attention to his principles. Failures are often repeated if they're not treated. How's the old saying go? Failure is the best teacher or learn to fail forward or those who remember the past are destined to, to repeat it or condemned to repeat it as the quote goes. And if these sayings are true, if these sayings have merit, right, then we can learn from our past failures as well. Watching others, seeing others, seeing their failures, seeing their success, what to do next. But if we're not careful, many of these failures will repeat themselves and many of these failures will come back on ourselves. That's why when someone fails and they think they succeeded six months or a year later, they fail again. And that's why this church pauses so often. Oh, so it's here three months. And they're like, oh, I can do everything. I'm a superhero. No, you're not. Go sit down and keep worshiping God. You're not a superhero. And you're not the reason why we're going to have revivals in the future. We're going to have revivals in the future. Because everyone here, man and woman, boy and girl, get on their knees and pray. Get on their knees and praise. Get on their knees and worship God. Get on their knees and continue to prophesy and preach and teach the goodness of Jesus Christ. He is the only one that matters and he's the only way. Hallelujah. The Bible warns us about failures being repeated. Throughout the Bible, we find people making the same mistakes. We've seen fathers repeating the sins of their fathers and children, repeating it of their parents, right? I wonder at times, why? Is this a generational curse? And many people have not been delivered from these things, right? And that's why many are just repeating the same thing that their fathers did and their forefathers did. Now we know that failure is not a perfect teacher because we're not perfect people. People. <laughs> Hallelujah. How am I doing? We doing all right? Yeah. Failure can be painful. It can be personal. It can affect your destiny. It can affect you directly. It can affect those around you and beyond you. So understand that. And it can affect generations to come. Your failure or your success can affect generations to come. If we're not careful, failure will define you. If you're not careful, it will define you. Don't let failure define you. And this is a grave concern, fear of mind in a way. Failure, lack of faith can move us away from God. But I'm saying to you, church, don't let failure move you away, let it move you to God. Don't let it negatively, neg negatively define you. Too many people, especially believers, are defined by their lack of faith, the lack of failure. 
Our identity is in Jesus Christ, not in man, right? We are his children. You need to get that. And with that comes rights. And with that comes promises. With that comes provisions. Oh, you got to get that. We are his children and God loves us and therefore there's rights and there's, and there's things that he wants to bless us with, right? He wants to see you well. He wants to see you whole. He wants to see you thriving. He wants to see you dedicated and devoted and committed to him. The Bible explains how we can be successful people and how we can elevate our faith and how we can become victorious, how we can be overcomers. Now, I just spent some time talking about failure, right? Failures and disappointments and lack of faith. But I want to tra transition into faith and living fruitful and productive lives. We, are, we all share in sin and failing, but we could also share in success and becoming overcomers. Amen. But the process, never forget this, the process. The devil has plans for you, but God has plans for you too. The devil wants to see you down and defeated and deflated, but God wants to see you elevated and victorious, amen? And, and, he, and the devil wants you to be defined by your failures, but God wants you to be defined by him. We are his child and God has plans for you, amen? Oh, this is good stuff, church. I'm telling you, if we get this message today, it's going to be change, life changing. He wants to save you. He wants to set you free from what's holding you down. He wants you to be an overcomer, right? He wants you to walk by faith. He doesn't want you to be defeated, right, and deflated. Oh, God, he died on the cross for us. He resurrected for us. He's alive for us. And we can live a victorious life in Christ Jesus. Spiritual failure and sin and lack of belief in God won't disappear simply because you work at it or you read another book or even because you come to church. We come overcome this, these things, this lack of faith, by placing our trust in, in, in faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? And following his words and his precepts. So let's turn our, our failure to triumphs and our lack of faith to belief. And may faith arise up in us, yes. even now as I'm speaking. Yes. So failure to triumph, failure to triumph. Second Peter 1, we're going to rip through this now, beginning at verse 2. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and, the, and our Lord, Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything, everything that we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in, his, his, in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil. Grace and peace comes through the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ. So many people have rejected this. So many people have rejected Jesus. They have rejected Scripture. They don't understand that Scripture is filled about Jesus. If you, want, if, if you don't have Jesus, then you won't have grace and peace in your life at that level that you can have. You need Jesus, who is God. But you rejected Him, and you rejected God, and so then you wonder, where did the grace go? Where did the peace go? Why do I have so many problems in life? Secondly, His divine power gives you what you need. God has given you everything that you need for life and living a godly life. And it's through the divine power and it's through our knowledge of him that makes the difference in our life and walk. Amen. Reject Jesus. 
You reject his power being operated in your life and through your life. And so many have chose to remain ignorant of scripture and, and, and the knowledge of him. And therefore, we suffer for it. And the world suffers for it. And now, without raising your hand, just pause. Many of you know Jesus, but are you living for Jesus? You might have the knowledge of him and who he is, right, and why he came. But if you're honest, do, if you're honest and you look into your heart, You'll say, I'm really not living for him. I'm not really walking and witnessing and working in his divine power. And Peter starts off this chapter saying himself that he is a servant, a bond servant, even before he calls himself an apostle and a sent one. So he dedicated his life to Jesus first. And then he sent out into all the world. We so often go out into the world before we even have our right relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's why we're losing so many kids in college. Because they're going and they're being sent out to college and away from homes and stuff because they haven't totally devoted themselves to the things of God. Church, we need to get back on our knees and we need to start crying out for each other and for our families and for our children and, 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 the, and our country. They work in the flesh instead of the Spirit. And it's only through the Holy Spirit that we will know the Lord. People have knowledge of the world instead of the knowledge of, of God. And they stop listening and working and operating. They don't hear His voice. Jesus is the one who has empowered us to walk and talk and work and witness for His glory. He is the one that has given us authority. He is the one that has given us divine power. He is the one. His power is the one that sustains all things. It's His powerful Word that holds the world together. And it's His words that are in these holy scriptures. It's these words that He's telling us and giving us, right? He's telling us that He gives us everything that we need to be fruitful and effective and productive in your life. How? Read His words. Verse 5, For this very reason... Make every effort to add to your faith, goodness, and goodness, knowledge, and knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance. People have lost self-control. People have lost perseverance, right? Perseverance in godliness, and godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. We are to operate church in love, compassion, in love, praying in love, mercy in love, doing everything in God's agape love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to add our faith these things. We are to operate in faith and work at these things, increase in measure, increase in it, but where does faith come initially from? Ephesians 2.8 tells us this. For it's grace you have been saved through faith. It's not, a, it's not from yourself. It's, it's a gift from God. Not by works so that anyone can boast. It's from God. And we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works. Which God prepared in advance for us to do. Right? He's given you a calling. He's given you good works. You are to do them. Salvation comes from God. It's a gift from God. And so we have natural faith and spiritual faith. Natural faith is, for example, we believe our, our legs, say, will hold us up. Or the chair that you're sitting on will hold you up. Now, if the chair looks unstable, you might say, hey, I don't think it's going to hold me up. And so you test it, you stress it, you, you observe it, you, you have others try it. And often we do this with the natural things. Regardless if you fully understand what I just said, you, you test those things. But spiritual faith, faith in God, 
is what some would call have a leap of faith because we can't prove faith in a lab. And many try to take spiritual faith through the same testing uh, modes and models that we use for natural faith in things. It doesn't work, church. Hebrews 1, which is a great faith is a great faith chapter. If you haven't read it in a while now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. So what was not made out of what is visible. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone, anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. That's faith. And that he rewards those earnestly seek him who seek him. Right? By faith, Noah, when warned about these things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heirs of righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as an inheritance, obeyed and went. Even though the word of God says he didn't know where, where he was going. And so we can't please God without faith. We cannot be saved without faith. We cannot live the life we are called to live without faith. Faith. God gives us a certain measure of natural faith and spiritual faith. And we are responsible for how we use it. Yeah. Don't abuse it. Operate in faith. Amen. Romans 3.28. For we maintain that a, a man, a person is justified by faith apart from observing the law. Our faith is in God, in Jesus Christ. It is not in man, it's not in law, it's not in medicine or these things. It's trusting in God Almighty. And when faith is lacking, when our back is hurting, when our body is hurting, when, when our mind is hurting, when we're hurting, when we're sick, when we're, we are confused, we need to go back to the basics. And again, I want to be clear here. We are pro-doctors and medicines, even certain types of vaccinations. Let me be clear. Right, certain types of vaccinations, but our trust is not in those things, guys. It is not in those things. Our trust is in God. Our faith is in God. Our future is in God. Our, whatever we do needs to be done in Jesus' name and by faith. So we pray and we go to the doctors, right? We pray while we're going to the doctors, while you call 911, right? We recognize that God gave us these things to help us, to help us with our faith. To help us with our future. Faith comes from God. Romans 12, 2 and 3. Do not conform. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good and pleasing perfect will. For by grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself. That's pride. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. But rather, think of yourself with sober judgment according to with the accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. Now, too many people are thinking too much about themselves. Oh, look at me. They're looking at the, with worldly eyes and worldly standards. Many of you are looking like the world and suffering like the world and feeling like the world and fearing like the world. And it's being repeated over and over again. But pause and really ask yourself, really evaluate yourself. Have you been following godly principles? <clears throat> Or worldly ones? Are you unproductive and unfruitful and ineffective in many ways? And is it because you haven't been following godly principles? Are you placing your faith and trust in other people and other things instead of in God and His ways? Have you really prayed? 
Have you really cried out to God for your situation? Have you, are you really operating in faith? Are you even really saved, church? Or are you living like the way the world says over and over again? I tried that. It doesn't work. I tried praying. It ain't working. I, I tried salvation. I even took communion. Doesn't work. Really? That's not faith. It's not trusting God. You're not saved because you said a, a prayer. It's not the prayer that saves you, right? You don't get to command God and just tell him what, what you want from him all the time. It's not your standards that he has to elevate himself up to, right? And then when you don't get what you want, you quit, you give up, you walk away. You're not saved because you came to a church today, right? Or you need to, you're saved because you place your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and you believe in who he is and what he said that he's done. He is God. When faith is failing, we need to dig deeper and trust him more. We are to renew our mind daily. How do you do that? Not focusing on the world's standards. Are you reading God's word regularly? Are you worshiping him regularly? Speaking to him often? How are you helping your mind? What are you feeding on? What are you meditating on? What are you doing to build up faith in your heart? Turn to God. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. So we, I, I encourage people, read the Bible out loud. Hold on to those promises and say those promises. And faith will stop being built up in your heart. I ask you, are you doing those things? Are you doing those things now? Are you reading his word out loud? Are you playing godly music and godly messages? Will they, are you feeding your mind and your soul with these things? Make every effort to add to your faith goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, kindness, love. If you possess these qualities, increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's something about the faith that's being built up by really knowing Jesus. And so if you don't really know Jesus, and you're not living by faith, are you truly being effective, fruitful, productive? Now maybe you look productive or successful. I ran into a lot of people that looked successful. They were in great debt and their world was spinning out of control. And that success on earth won't carry you into eternity. And when we don't follow God's plan or, or obey his words, that's failure to me. To know his words and deny them, that's foolish. Verse 9, but if anyone does not have them. Have what? These things I just mentioned in verse 5. He's nearsighted and blind. Forgotten. He's forgotten that he's been cleansed from his past sins. Now I point, I point this out. This is speaking to Christians, by the way. To righteous ones, it says, right? Cleanse from your past sins. That someone was born again. So there's times that we lack faith. We have unbelief. It's not always about salvation. But it's very often about faith. So I'm not saying that you need to be saved right now, while some of you might need to be saved, right? Because if you rejected Jesus, you're going to hell. And so you need to repent. You need to turn away from your sin and turn to God. Speak to him from your heart. Invite him into your life. If that's you in a moment, I'd love to speak with you. And if you're at home, 
call us, email us, write us. But right now you can just receive Jesus. Make an altar where you are. Right? Make an altar where you are. Others are saved. And I want you to hear this today. You might be saved, but you're wavering in your faith. You're wavering in your unbelief. You're wavering in your understanding of Scripture. In Luke 22, just write this down. Luke 22, Peter's faith was wavering. Why? He was being attacked by Satan. And Jesus says to Peter, who's also called Simon, we know that. Luke 22, verse 31. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. When we sin, and we will sin. When we fall and fail, we will fail. We will fall short. Turn back in repentance to God. Remember, God wants to help us with our unbelief, so much so that he prayed, right? And he wants us to pray with each other and for each other. Because many are struggling with their faith and belief. Jesus prays for Peter that his faith will not fail. And sometimes it will even take a bold parent to bring their child to the Lord and bring your child to the altar and wrap your arms around them. If you're willing, Lord, heal my child, help my child. Mark 9, a father begins to go to Jesus with his demon-possessed son. The demon was trying to kill him threw him in fire, threw him in water, trying to kill him over and over again. And let me pause for a moment and just say this. Satan wants to kill you. He wants to silence you. He wants to harm you and hurt you and separate you from society. He will cause you to act strangely at times. He repeats his method in various ways, and yet it manifests differently in people. But let me be clear. He wants your life. That's why suicide is up, anxiety is up, depression is, is up so high. The devil wants you to defeat, to be defeated, deflated. He doesn't want you to have clarity of mind. You need to understand that. He wants you to be silenced, right? And this dad says to Jesus, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. In verse 23 and 24, Mark 9, Jesus says, if you can, can you imagine going to Jesus and saying, if you can do this, Jesus, if you can do this, I can't imagine that. And Jesus said, everything is possible for him who believed. For those who have faith, immediately the boy exclaimed, I believe, but help me with my unbelief, church. Many of us need help with our unbelief. We lack faith. We need others to pray with us and others to pray for us. We need to have faith. When faith is failing, faith is failing, we need God. We need more of Jesus. And I understand this, that it's hard. I know the hour's late right now. But, I, but I'm just telling us that, that, that God wants to give us a fresh start. And I believe that he wants to heal. He wants to heal you at home. He wants to heal you in this church. He wants us to operate by faith and following godly principles. Amen? His word tells us, that by his stripes, we were healed. These are promises for the children of God. And the Holy Spirit wants to fill you, wants to refresh you, and wants to renew you. And one preacher said this, speaking about the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is the healing balm that most of us need. Many of us have not been delivered 
from our ailments for way too long. Many of us have not been gathering at these altars for way too long. Many of us have not been praying for each other as a body of believers way too long. And this started way before COVID. But COVID only made it worse, church family. Only made it worse. And so would you stand with me now? If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, just cry out to him. And say, I need you, Jesus. Forgive me of my sins. Because it starts by repenting. We need to repent for our sins. Repent for our wickedness. Repent for what we've done. But if you're saved, you don't need to. You don't need to be saved again. If you're not saved, you need Jesus right now. In the name of Jesus, receive him. But if you're a saint of God already, you need to repent and you need more faith. I need more faith. Lord, help us with our unbelief. But if you're up here, we're going to pray with you and for you. Let's worship the Lord.
Jesus' name. Amen.